maybe that person thinks they can be unbiased and maybe they can, but later we know from a legal standpoint, they're going to be accused of being unbiased. You're listening to OMAG All Access, a podcast about all things affecting municipalities in Oklahoma. Hosted by OMAG General Counsel, Susie Paulson. Today we're here talking with Monica Coleman, another attorney here at OMAG, and also the HR director. And we're going to be talking about how to know when your city or town needs a personnel investigation and How do you know who to hire for that personnel investigation? What do you need from that personnel investigation? Um, Monica, can you tell us your background in HR, just so we have that reference? Sure. Prior to coming to OMAG, um, in a year, a little over a year ago now in December, um, I worked for a little over 28 years with the city of Oklahoma City. Um, the first 12 of that, I worked in the city attorney's office and was assigned to the labor and employment division. Um, then I moved over to the uh, personnel department and became the assistant personnel director, um, where I was uh, primarily responsible for um, labor relations, um, but other things as well. Okay. Um, and just from your perspective there, and, and I was also in the legal department there, so I kind of know a little bit of this background, but when somebody would make a complaint in the city of Oklahoma City, they have a personnel department, that's where the complaint would go. There were uh, labor relations specialists there that could do the internal investigation, but even then, sometimes it was problematic and it would take a while. So what, what were some of the the um, issues that you just had internally with uh, doing personnel investigations. Specifically at the city of Oklahoma City? Yeah. Yeah. So we had um, two labor relations specialists there who split the duty, so to speak, um, and had the responsibility of conducting all personnel investigations. And we partnered with someone in the specific department where the complaint arose and, and, um, had a a team that would do the investigation, but because the city of Oklahoma City has 5,000 employees, um, at any given time there were, there could be a number of investigations ongoing with two people uh, responsible for those uh, within the the department. Um, So when your goal is to uh, be as expeditious as possible, get these things uh, thoroughly investigated as quickly as possible, uh, that, that's a big challenge when, when you don't have um, more staff than that. So I would say just um, the resources for completing those investigations was a big, a big issue uh, at the city. Yeah, and, and really I just use that as a reference because it's nothing different than the rest of our cities go through. That's true. I mean, even in a big city like Oklahoma City, who's staffed with individuals and trained individuals to do investigations, it's still an issue. It's just one of those, one of those uh, things that is just takes time. Um, that's to that's get true done. because, um, you know, um, in, in our, in cities and towns across the state of Oklahoma, I would say that's rare to have somebody who is, who's, 
job is to conduct those on a full-time basis. And, you know, at the city of Oklahoma City, that wasn't the only thing they did, but that was their primary, uh, I guess, priority to uh, give investigations that attention. But uh, right, in, in cities and towns across the state, they don't have the luxury of having someone dedicated to doing those kinds of investigations. And then they have to go about um, finding an appropriate, unbiased person to come in and look at those investigations if they don't have them in-house. Yeah, and I mean, from my experience and now yours over the past year, that's really difficult to do in a small town in Oklahoma. Everybody who works for the city usually lives in the city and their kids go to school together or they went to school with, you know, or church with with the other employees. And so it's really difficult to find that unbiased person who can come in and do a personnel investigation. Um, And maybe that person thinks they can be unbiased and maybe they can, but later we know from a legal standpoint, they're going to be accused of being unbiased. Right. Um, So let's back up a little bit and can you give some advice on, you know, when to know when an investigation is needed? Well, so I guess the obvious first one would be when someone files a complaint. Someone comes in and says, I'm being sexually harassed or I'm being discriminated against based upon my um, my race or my gender or any of the other uh, protected class categories. So that would be the most, the most obvious, I think. Um, but um, I would hope under under each city or town's policy that prohibits uh, discriminatory or harassing conduct in the workplace, that it also contains provisions for um, obligations to report, even if you just hear someone talking about it or you see something, but no one has actually said anything to you to report it. Just however you become aware that there may be a policy violation that that needs to result in an investigation. Okay. Um, and I, I talk a little bit about this at the police chief's training that I do. And sometimes that investigation is a simple conversation. That's right. Depends on how extensive the, the situation is. Um, you know, if you've, if you've got an, let's say, an isolated kind of incident where some somebody says something inappropriate to a coworker, but it's never happened before, uh, it's never happened since, there's no other uh, indication that it's a pervasive kind of situation, then, you know, perhaps calling that employee in and saying, hey, that's not appropriate for the workplace, um, maybe some remedial training or, you know, whatever would be appropriate for the circumstances. But yes, it, it could be as simple as, as a conversation with that person and that would take care of the, of the matter. Yeah. And then some documentation after the conversation, of course, is always, always important. Yes. Always, always document um, that you've addressed it and just tuck it away in the file, even if it doesn't result in, say, a formal discipline or something like that, you you really need to document because while we hope that it would never happen again, if it does, you need to be able to go back and look upon your notes and know that you did address that and, and, and protect, you know, your employer um, with your, with your response to whatever has happened in the past. 
Uh, one of the other issues um, that we run into a lot too is, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, was you know finding that unbiased person to do the investigation if you need something other than a, a simple conversation. Um, if there's not anybody internally, which is where I would look first, obviously you should look first um, internally, maybe in another department or, you know, depending on the size of your, your city, that, that might be feasible. Um, but if not, um, what are your thoughts on um, the city paying for an investigator? I think if the city has the resources to do that, that's a great option for conducting an investigation. Uh, then you um, assure yourself of that unbiased someone from the outside who doesn't know the players come in with fresh eyes and um, probably would make for a more efficient investigation where you don't have those distractions because of personal relationships and that kind of thing. And I think um, before a city hires somebody outside to do an investigation, they should always call around and ask, you know, other cities who have used that investigator before and maybe ask the investigator, you know, just some parameters. When can you start? How how long is this going to take? How much is it going to cost? Right. Because if they tell you it's going to take three months, well, you know, maybe you are better off using somebody internally. Right. Um, so you need to ask those questions. What about if um, somebody wants to use their city attorney as the investigator? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think that's a good idea um, because when you use the city attorney to conduct an investigation in a city or town, then um, they are no longer the city attorney in that situation. They are an investigator, so you lose your um, attorney-client protection because they're not an attorney any longer in that scenario. Um, and because they are the investigator, they are now a witness. So if this um, investigation results in something more happening like litigation, then uh, your city attorney won't be able to represent you in that litigation because they are now a witness. So now you've got to go and find another attorney to represent you. Um, and that it's just not an ideal situation. You want your attorney to uh, remain in their protected position to advise you. And if they're the investigator, they can no longer advise. And I guess that, you know, there, there are nuances to that, too, because in cities that have multiple city attorneys, presumably, you know, one of the multiple city attorneys could do the investigation and you still have that attorney client protection with the other attorney. Sure. You just want to make sure that you, you keep that that what do they call it? A Chinese wall, so to speak. You just don't want there to be any bleeding over. If you're going to be an investigator, then go over here and be an investigator, but don't let that spill into um, whoever's serving in the capacity of the, of the city attorney. I think you've really got to keep that separation between the two. OMAG All Access would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. For your time, we would like to offer you the chance to win a pair of OMAG all-access Bluetooth headphones. To enter, all you have to do is head to www.omag.org forward slash all-access and click on the corresponding image at the top of the screen. The password for each episode will change. 
So make sure you are always up to date on the newest episode of OMAG All Access by subscribing with your favorite podcast app. The password for this episode is investigation. Follow the directions on the giveaway page and you will be entered. Good luck. Uh, One other thing that we could talk about is um, the reports that come out of this investigation. Um, Some of the things that I see a lot in these personnel investigations are opinion of the investigator. Um, A lot of times they will make disciplinary recommendations, which may be okay if that was part of the their job to make those recommendations. Um, what are what are some other things that you see that are problematic with reports? Um, yeah, I think it's so important as an investigator. Your job is to you you you've got a got a complaint, so you, you you've got something that specific that you're going to go in and look for. You've got to gather the facts and report those out as they've been reported to you. There's no room for opinions here for an investigator. Um, it's just, you know, just the facts. Report those out and then draw conclusions, make findings uh, of fact based on what's been reported and within the parameters of the policy. So it's important that you, I think, report out your findings based upon the parameters of the policy. So you're not going to, you should not be making legal conclusions, I don't think. It should all be fact-based. Um As far as disciplinary recommendations, if the city wants you to make recommendations and that's within the scope um, of your investigation, I think that that's okay as long as you make it very clear that these are just recommendations as the investigator, you're not the one who makes the final decision on that. If you see that there's some kind of a deficiency in... um, Oh, something that would fall under a policy, then certainly, you know, recommend remedial training. I think that's always appropriate. But as far as levels of discipline and that kind of thing, um, I I don't know that you need to, as an investigator, be specific on, oh, I think this deserves termination or this should just be a reprimand. You don't necessarily know the what what kind of disciplinary policies they have. Maybe you do, but it's likely that unless you've spent a great deal of time going through those policies, you're not going to be as familiar. So I would leave that up to the client to decide how best to apply their policies to the situation to address them. I agree. And I think you touched on it a little bit, but one of the other problems I see is that the investigator will say things like, this is a violation of Title Seven, or this is, a, you know, uh, her illegal harassment um, and things like that. When the investigation should be about was the city policy violated, not the law. That's correct. And so, if you get an investigator who is inexperienced um, in in that area, sometimes you end up with a report that says the city violated the law when that's not what you're asking for. You're asking for, are the city policies violated? Is the anti-harassment policy violated? I mean, I think, <clears throat> yes, that's exactly right. And I and I think the best way to look at that is that this investigation is authorized because of the city's policies. I mean, that that's the, the framework by which this investigation should be conducted. So I, we, there, you merely apply the policy. You don't go out and look for violations of the law 
that's for another day. Okay. So it all starts with the policy. All starts with the policy. And if you don't have a policy, we do have a sample policy on the OMAG website, www.omag.org, and also on the Oklahoma Municipal Human Resource Professionals page. That's www.omhrp.org. We have lots of policies on there. We have an anti-harassment policy on there that's pretty simple, just a couple pages long, that if you don't have one, you could easily adopt by just putting your city's name on it. And it does need to be adopted by the council Yes. Um, to be the official policy of the city. Um, do you have anything else you can add about investigations, Monica, that you can think of? Just do them. Don't, don't, and, you, you know, if you, if you receive information, it's always better to go in and, and look into it. Don't just let it pass by. And if you have somebody uh, who comes in and says, okay, um, Joe is treating me differently because I'm a female, but I really don't want you to do anything about it. I just feel like somebody needs to hear it. Don't fall for that trap either. You have to do something about it once you become aware, however you become aware. Investigate and, and under your policy to make sure that um, you are addressing whatever needs to be addressed if there's something to address in the workplace. I've actually had that happen to me where somebody yes. came in and said, um, you know, I'm really upset with this other employee and, you know, and I would stop them and say, if you tell me something that violates the policy or it looks like it might violate the policy, then I, you know, need to tell you now and there will possibly be an investigation. And of course they didn't want to talk after that, but the, but the, the great thing about having a policy and it, and a standalone policy is that you can hand that employee that policy. So when they leave, they leave with the policy in hand that has the procedure in place on how to report an investigation. So later, if it does go south and you end up in litigation, you can say, yes, I had this conversation. They didn't want to talk to me, but I gave them the policy, which had the procedure for reporting um, those types of complaints in it. So that, that's right. helpful. And it's a good rule of thumb, too, I think, for um, your anti-harassment, um, anti-discrimination policies to be posted on your employee bulletin boards. That way, everyone has equal access to that and, and um, can read it as they need. Okay. Well, I think we're going to end the podcast on that issue. Um, again, our information's on the website our phone numbers our emails and so if you have any questions feel free to give us a call we hope you can take something away from this podcast that will help your city or town you can find more information about omag on our website at www.omag.org or on our facebook page thanks for listening if you have questions or ideas for a podcast topic please send them to allaccess at omag.org on the next episode of OMAG All Access. So new business is something that's occurred that could not have been foreseen or otherwise anticipated that happened after the agenda was posted and prior to the meeting. That's going to be pretty good. This episode is copyright OMAG 2020 under the Creative Commons 4.0 Attribution Non-Commercial Non-Derivatives International License. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.